Let's get into the Word this morning. We're in the middle of a sermon series on John the Baptist. What an incredible man. And uh, the more I think of his life and his story, the more I'm inspired to be more like him. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about his calling, which is the same calling that you and I have, which is to prepare people for Jesus. Last week, Pastor Steve preached about uh, repentance and how John preached the message of repentance and turning back. And this week, I believe God will speak to your heart as we focus on um, something incredible that each disciple needs to understand. And as we begin, I invite you just to bow your heads and pray with me now. Heavenly Father, it's so a joy in my heart that I get to serve here at Forest Lake, to watch what you're doing and be a part of that. And God, this morning, as we open our Bibles, as we think of John, as we think of his humility, may you challenge us, may you inspire us, may you move our hearts to be more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the business community, name and brand recognition is paramount. Companies will spend millions of dollars to get their brand and their name recognized. Uh, You see it all the time on TV. Uh, You see different brand placements or product placements so that it's just in front of your face so you recognize it. I've watched a show and and one season, every car that was on the street was a Lexus. The next season, every car that was on the streets in in the show was a Ford. So there was obviously a shift. You, knew, you know what's happening. Sometimes you'll see shows like survival uh, shows and there'll, there'll be a guy with like a nice Patagonia jacket and they'll, they'll put a piece of tape across the name brand because they didn't pay to have their name brand in there. Product placement and name and brand recognition is paramount. You've got to have it. In fact, we call them name brands for a reason. Uh, you've seen some of these name brands that have made a bigger impact than others. Here's a picture of a couple on the screen here. Uh, you've seen these two. You've seen Kleenex and you've seen Xerox, and we say it all the time, hey, could you pass me a Kleenex? It's not a Kleenex, it's a tissue, yet we call it Kleenex because of the brand. Or could you go Xerox this for me? You're not Xeroxing, you're making a photocopy, but because they dominated brand recognition, that's what we think of. We know it so well. Um, Here's another example. A few years ago, I was in Costco going to get batteries. That's the best place to get batteries, AA, AAA, at least I think so. And, and I, uh, you walk in and you go over to the battery section and there's always two sections. There's the Duracell and there's the Kirkland Signature. And, and you probably wrestle with the same thing I wrestle with, which one should I get? Should I get the name brand or should I get the knockoff brand? And then you go back through history of every Christmas and every battery you've ever put in a toy and how long those actually lasted and is Duracell any better than the Kirkland Signature? Well, as I was standing at that display, the manager of Costco, not that he's an expert on batteries or anything, but he, he began to tell me, he said, he said, well, this is kind of funny because the person that makes, our, the, the, the company that makes our Kirkland Signature batteries is Duracell, and they wrap Kirkland Signature around the Duracell batteries. But when you stand there in front, you think, should I get the name brand? Is the name brand any better? Do you guys do that too? Do you do that too? Okay, just making sure. Brand recognition. You gotta, the name is the most important thing. Um, you know, sometimes companies will spend so much money on the company jingle, the, the, the song, and, and you hear the song and you naturally connect the two. Like if you see this commercial right here. Five, five dollar, five dollar foot long. Then we all want to eat sub sandwiches, right? You guys are hungry. We'll hurry up, I promise. Or, or this one, and, and I don't know if this is a, um, 
like a Georgia thing or if, it, if it's like a southern area. I don't know. Um, but there's a carpet company that, called Empire. Do, do you guys know Empire? You, okay, you, you, uh, you, you don't get ahead of me. You'll be singing it. They're so smart because their company jingle is literally their phone number for them, for you to call them. Here's what it is. Here's the, here's the video. 800-588-2300-EMPIRE Today. You don't even have to Google. You know their name. You know their, you just call them. Or this one. You know companies by their jingle. You don't even have to see it and you know it. See if you can hear this and uh, you can shout it out as soon as you know what company it is. Here's the first one. Jake from State Farm, are you here this morning? Anyone? Or how about this one? This might be for the fellows. It could be ladies too. Here it is. Anybody? Not Lowe's. Good try. Home Depot. There we go. This next one, um, first service struggled with, and it might be because they're healthier. Let's just see what happens. Here's the, here's the last one. McDonald's, you got it, there it is. <laughs> Brand recognition and name recognition, it's, it's paramount. You know, what's funny is that it, it, it's a business thing. We think about logos, and, 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 and I mean, our church struggles with logos. We have two logos. Who, who knows which one we are today? But you think about these, these identification things, and it's personal, too. It's not just corporations. It used to be that when you would ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? They would say, I want to be a fireman or an astronaut. If you ask them what they want to be today, they'll say, I want to be a YouTuber, Right? Yeah, and, and we may laugh and giggle at it if you're over the age of like 35, uh, but there's some YouTubers that make way more money than you do, that's for sure. Uh, my kids have limited access to YouTube. We have subscriptions that we've already pre-vetted so they can watch those certain shows. And one show they used to watch all the time was called The Axel Show. It's a dad that, that literally just videos himself playing with his kids. Um, and they'll, they'll put Legos together, they'll go on adventures. The kid's name is Axel, and he has so many followers that the dad's job is literally just to video them playing, and he posted on the internet, and there's so many followers, and that's his job. Uh, it's, it's, an, it's pretty amazing. Or this one, maybe some of you guys have seen these guys. I think there's a couple of, of guys uh, in, in, that, that do this. These two guys, I don't know what part of the world they're in, but they have hand tools, and they go out into the jungle, and they, you've seen them before, and they start digging, and they'll make like swimming pools with slides in it, with little alcoves on the side with candles burning. It's, it's amazing. It, you guys have seen these? Unbelievable. What, what's the name of them? Mateo, what, do you know the name? Tafui? I'm going to have to Google that. Watch that tonight after the sun goes down. We'll have to watch that. And the goal of these YouTubers, the more followers you have, the more money you make. And if you get enough followers, you can quit your job and just be a full-time YouTuber. If you get enough people recognizing your name, then you become a YouTuber. John the Baptist's name, his brand, was being spread all over the place like wildfire. This wild man out in the wilderness who was baptizing people, he was becoming well-known all over the place. And we see 
what happened with him and his story in John chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, I invite you just to open it with me to John chapter 1. If you're new to this church, uh, maybe this is the first time you've stepped foot in a church, maybe you didn't come with a Bible, you can follow along on page 750 in the Blue Pew Bible that's right in front of you. You can read the same words that I'm reading in John chapter 1. I'll keep talking as you're turning there. John's becoming really popular. His brand is out there. His name is recognized. He's got followers like crazy. They're flocking to him. In fact, the people are beginning to ask if John is the Messiah that they've prayed for forever and ever. And they said, could he be the Christ? Could he be the one, the chosen one? And so the Jewish leaders come and they have a conversation with John. We read about it in John chapter 1, starting in verse 21, as the conversation happens between the Jewish leaders and John the Baptist. Here's what it says, John 1, verse 21. The Jewish leaders asked him, Who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take, to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And I pause there for a moment to think about how interesting it is that Satan knows just the right buttons to push us to get us off the mission. He knows it so well, and all too often he uses the trap of self to distract us. These Jewish leaders, they're asking John, they say, hey, who are you? Could you just tell us a little more about yourself? We want to know about who you are. We want to hear about what you think about you, who you are. They're waiting for him just to say the word, and they'll follow him. In fact, Ellen White, she writes in The Desire of Ages, which you, if you haven't read that book, y'all, it's one of the best books you can ever read. It will blow your mind, and it will help you grow to know Jesus better. Here's what she says, page 178. She says, if John had announced himself as the Messiah and raised a revolt against Rome, priests and people would have flocked to his standard. Every consideration that appeals to the ambition of the world's conquerors, Satan had stood ready to urge upon John the Baptist. Satan had it all ready for him. All he had to do was say the word and he would take over the world. Uh, he had it all. Money, power, fame, nice clothes. He had it ready for John. That's all he had to do was just say, uh, to talk about himself a little bit more. To say that he was the Messiah. This wild preacher out in the wilderness, he had this growing following and all he had to do was say the word and he would step right into the shoes of royalty. And speaking of shoes... There's some interesting things that are happening on Instagram with preachers of the gospel, like John. I don't know if you're on Instagram. Maybe you've read or seen about preachers and sneakers. Anyone follow them? A couple of you have. Maybe I see a few head nods. There's a guy out in Texas. Here he is. This is Ben Kirby. He's the founder of Preachers and Sneakers. Um, and I don't honestly fully agree with him because I think what he's doing is actually undermining the Christian church, and I don't think that helps the mission or the gospel. But he, he's, a, he's a Christian himself, and, and at one point a while back he said, you know what, I'm seeing some inconsistencies with those that are preaching the gospel and what they're wearing because he would see Gucci and he would see all these really fine uh, attire and shoes. Oh, they were so expensive. And so what he did is he began to take pictures and screenshots of these preachers of large churches in America. And he would see, see their shoes. Then he would find the price of how much they paid and he would post them on Instagram. Would you like to see a few of them? I thought you would. I brought a few. Here's one. There's your boy, Stephen Furtick. 
I'm not dogging on these preachers, by the way, but preachers and sneakers is for sure. Uh, he's got his Jordans, uh, the price tag up there, $968. Boy, you, I wouldn't be able to wear those out of the house if I paid that much money for them. Oh, here's the next one. This is Erwin McManus. He's got some nice Jordans as well. $9.99. It's a lot of money for a pair of shoes. How about this guy? You, you've seen this guy before too. This is Mike Todd. He's got some good content. I, I enjoy listening to him. Um, those are Balenciagas. And, and in the center, right in the middle, it's hard to see it because it's so small. $1,600. bucks. That's a lot of, for white shoes, y'all. I can't even keep my, my black shoes clean. He's got a white one. Um, how about this next one? This last guy, his name is John Gray, and he's got some nice, those are Yeezys, and they're $5,600. Guys, I could buy a small car for that. When did preaching the gospel become more about the preacher than it did the gospel? When did church become more focused on Jordans than it did Jesus? When did the preacher become more cooler than the message that he preaches? Man, I don't want to be cool. I don't want Jordans. I just want to preach Jesus. I want to look like this guy. He's the last one. Maybe you've seen him before. This is Andy Stanley. He's the senior pastor of North Point Community Church up in Alpharetta, Georgia, the north side of Atlanta. He's the pastor of one of the largest churches in the world, and he's, uh, he's on Preachers and Sneakers. That's where I got this, too, and I don't know if you can see his shoes. They're Franklin sneakers with smart 360 flex, and you probably can't see it at the bottom there, but that price tag is $39.97. And John the Baptist as he talks with the Jewish leaders, as they say, man, you're so much bigger, you're so much better, you can, you've got so many followers, you can take this kingdom, this is yours. He's got every opportunity to become famous, to be a king, and to be lifted up. He responds in an incredibly powerful way. It's in verse 23. He says these words, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, he says, you know who I am? He says, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness to make straight the way for the Lord. That's it. No talk of himself. Just talk about who he's there for. And when the people wanted John to talk about himself, all he would talk about is Jesus. And when they wanted to lift him up, all he would do is lift up Jesus. And they wanted, when they wanted to shine a light on his greatness, John would only shine, uh, push them to the light of the world. Listen to how John is described in the spirit of prophecy. Here it is. Ellen White says that John sought not to attract men to himself, but to lift their thoughts higher and still higher until they should rest upon the Lamb of God. He himself had been only a voice, a cry in the wilderness, and now with joy he accepted silence and obscurity that the eyes of all might be turned to the light of life. It's so humble. John knew his purpose, he knew his calling, and it was just to push others toward Jesus. Not to build followers of himself, but to help people know Jesus. See, John had disciples too, you know. His own disciples, his, his posse that went around him. He had followers that went with him. And as Jesus begins his ministry and his disciples there, and the followers grow there, there's tension because John's disciples look and they say, well, how come he's got more followers than we do? 
and, and, the, and the Jewish people come to him and they say, how come he's baptizing more than you are? There's something wrong here. And at the, at the moment that the plan of redemption is hanging in the balance, where John at any moment could take the lead and take the, the world with him, John responds with unbelievable words. There are two chapters over in John chapter 3. Just a page over probably in your Bible. John 3, 27 through 30. It's, it's the re- response to this that I think every disciple of Jesus should respond with. John 3, verses 27 to 30. Here's what it says. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. He says in 29, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. Verse 30, you know this one well. He says, he must become greater and I must become less. John responds by saying he's the friend of the bridegroom. If the church is the bride, then Jesus is the groom. That makes John the best man. You with me? Are you following along? I've I've been the best man in a couple different weddings, and it's an extreme honor because it means that the groom trusts the the, uh, best man more than anybody else. Oftentimes when there's rings at a wedding, the best man's the one that has them in the pocket. And I've been to weddings where the best man uh, forgot the rings or lost the rings. That's trouble. He's not the best man in anybody else's wedding, I'll tell you that. He's there not because of something that he does, but he's there because the, be- the, the groom trusts the best man to lift him up, to be there for him, to support him no matter what. Are you following with me? John is the best man for Jesus. Let me see if I can explain it this way. It's like Aaron to Moses. It's like Jonathan to David. Are you getting this? I don't think you're getting it. I don't think you're it. How about this? Um, it's like Scotty Pippen to Michael Jordan. Like Rob Gronkowski to Tom Brady. Are you getting this? I don't think you're getting it. I don't think you're getting it. It's like Robin to Batman. <laughs> First service responded the same way on that one too, just so you know. It's like Skipper to Barbie. You didn't even know his name was Skipper. Isn't his name? It's Ken. Oh, who's Skipper? Forget that one. It's a bad one. This is for all of you that are, are, are a little more traditional. It's like Barney Fife to Andy Taylor. Yep. Uh, how about this one? It's Chloe to Kim Kardashian. Oh, we're just waiting for my next one. For you political people, it's like Bill to Hillary. (laughs) The best man is the position that exists to lift the groom up, to support the groom, to make sure that the groom receives the honor. And John fully understands his role. He's the best man at the wedding between Christ and the church. And his beautiful humility shines so brightly as he says, I'm waiting to hear that voice of the bridegroom. And now it's complete because he's here. 
at the opportunity where he could triple or quadruple his followers and his brand and his YouTube channel and his church would have grown bigger, John says, he must become great and I must become less. Or as you and I have heard it so many times, here it is on the screen, he must increase and I must decrease. You don't find this kind of humility anymore. It's never anywhere. You can't find it. You don't ever see it in, in today's, days, today's age of clamoring over whatever it takes to get to the top. Uh, we love our affirmation. We love our credit. We love to draw the attention to ourselves. And yet I'm reminded of Jesus' words when he predicts his own death in John 7. Here it is on the screen. Jesus says, when I'm lifted up from earth, I will draw all people to myself. That's the goal of life. Of, of one thing, it's to lift people to Jesus. That's it. And as we lift people to him, he draws them to himself. That's what I want my life to look like. I don't want to be known for my name. I don't want to be known for my title. I don't want to be known for the church that I get to pastor. I don't want to be known for abilities or talents. I definitely don't want to be known for my sneakers. What I really want is that every part of my life draws people to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Only Jesus. May you be challenged to live with, with one purpose, and that's to lift people to Jesus.